welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Community Church. We are located in Abbotsford and Mission and Tri-City, although Tri-City Church is just called Tri-City. It's not called Northview Coquitlam, but we have three campuses and we like to do these podcasts every week. I'm joined here by Thalia this morning. Hello, everyone. Thalia is our pastor of care and she handles women, couples and families in a mm-hmm. counseling situation. I do more of the Bible study stuff. Yeah. So today we're going to combine efforts. We're going to do Bible study and counseling together. Um, one of the reasons we started these podcasts years ago was that Thalia was sitting in her room one-on-one with people day after day after day, saying the same thing <laughs> over and over and over again, which she's happy to do. Mm-hmm. But every time she gets an opportunity to say one thing to a couple hundred people instead of to one person, yeah. it really helps her. Really does. Because you feel like, yeah, your message can get out and people can maybe come to you one-on-one if they need to clarify something. But it just helps feel like, oh, this is a little bit bigger traction than the one-on-one meetings. Yeah. Like sometimes I get a chance to teach in women's Bible study about a topic or something. Or this coming Sunday, I'm going with one of our counselors and we're going to meet with some Northview young adult women and talk about anxiety and depression. Hopefully not too depressing (laughs) a conversation, (laughs) but it's a chance to speak to more than one-on-one. It Maybe we'll be 30 at that gathering. Yeah. So that'll be good. Yeah. And you do these things in pre-marriage classes yep, and other settings that mm-hmm. we have in the in the church. So um, what we want, so that was one reason we're going to do a topic that she has to talk about a lot with people. Yeah. And then secondly, just to give people a kind of a window as to what it would look like if they came to meet with Thalia. Uh-huh. She's not too scary. No. <laughs> we're going to walk through what she would normally do in a counseling situation and how she uses scripture to just work through situations with people. Yeah. So what we're going to do is um, Thalia is going to describe a couple of situations just to kind of give people a picture of what, um, give you guys, listen, your listeners a picture of what kind of things people come to her with, what kind of questions or scenarios. And then we're going to walk through one scripture passage that she uses all the time as like a counseling 101, yep. a place to start. Um, we're going to read it through in, in its entirety, and then we're going to just go through it in three sections just explaining the terms and, and applying it. So that's our plan for the next half hour or so. Yeah. So why don't you start off, Thalia, by just describing what kind of scenarios do people kind of blurt out to you as they enter your counseling room doors? Yeah. So women get in touch with me, women, couples, and families through email. That's a great way, care at northview.org. Mm-hmm. And I usually set aside about an hour. It can be a little bit less or a little bit more. It's free, just so you know. Some people come with their paychecks in hand or their... <laughs> Paychecks, they're Make checkbooks. it out to Thalia. <laughs> <laughs> they literally do. And I'm like, no, no, it's free. I'm actually paid to do this by the church. My training is in counseling. And so I love being able to work through all the different, I call it muck pieces in life. So what's typical is people will come in and they are going to describe a situation to me that is hard for them to handle. And that can take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, as I truly try to understand what's going on in their life. And they're usually sort of tattling about something that's going wrong with someone else in their life. So for example, you might have college and university students that are struggling with how to get along with their roommate or their dorm mate. That's pretty normal. Also co-workers. There are Christians in our church that are working with non-Christians. Some are amazing, but some are difficult to work with. You know, maybe they're cold or distant or they disregard their opinions or their language is foul or, and they're just wondering how do you work along people who have a very different worldview perspective. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of step-parents in our church who are dealing with step-teenagers, step-young adults, step-adults, and there's tension and strife, and they don't necessarily love this step-parent that's new in their home. And so there's difficulty. How do you work with that? Yeah. Then there's situations like you might have um, 
an uncle or an aunt that's recently divorced or maybe not yet divorced, but bringing their new girlfriend or boyfriend to a family gathering. Yeah. Or you might have a gay uncle or a gay sibling that wants to bring their partner and you're not sure how that's going to work at a family gathering and how do you respond and treat that person? Yeah, or someone might be uh, transitioning in terms of gender and yep. that kind of stuff, right? There's a neighbor, a we have those kinds yep. of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you handle that? Yep. And we have lots of parents in our church that have teenagers. And teenagers have friends that the parents don't always appreciate. Yeah, Their language, their choices of activity. And so all these kids are in your home and how do you handle them? How do you treat them? They're driving you crazy. Like, what do we do here? Yeah. So these are normal situations and you could probably picture yourself in one of those or more. Yeah, I was going to say, I think probably most <laughs> listeners would say, oh, I kind of can relate to that one for sure. Right. Yeah. Either me or my parents or my, yeah. Right. And so after they've laid out their situation for me, and I really understand it, often their next question is, how do I treat the person? How do I respond in this situation? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. That's a great place to be. Yeah. And so because I'm a pastor, because we love God's word, and that's our first go-to, we will often open up the scriptures. And my first go-to in a situation like this is Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Yeah. In the first couple of chapters, Paul is laying out for the Colossian church who God is, what he has done for us through Christ, and how he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And because of these things, because of what Christ has done for us, we now then need to move towards maturity in our actions. And the last part of Colossians is how do we live out our faith? Yeah. So that's what we're going to work through, Colossians mm-hmm. 3, uh, 1 to 17. What we're going to do is I will read it all just so you hear it um, in its entirety. And then we're going to go back and do it in three chunks of scripture, like four or five verses at a time. Yeah. And so as talk you talk about them. Sorry. As you listen, this is kind of my basic 101 recipe for how do we treat people of all kinds. Yeah. And as you go, th- as we talk through it, you'll see why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So it reads like this. Colossians 3, 1 to 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but, but now you must put them all, all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen people, or God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 
Okay, so that is the whole passage. Mm-hmm. Now, when you sit down and talk with people, you will start with verses 1 to 4. And yeah. so I'll read those and then tell us, tell us what you would say. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Yeah, this is a great start to the passage. Yeah. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, mm-hmm. which is basically saying, are you a Christian? Yeah. And I stop there and I ask that question. And most people nod and they say, yes, I'm a Christian. Great. Okay, so then we are called to set our minds on things that are above. Mm-hmm. Everything to do with Christ and God and the Bible and church, set our minds on things that belong to him. Why? Because our life is hidden with Christ in God. Yeah. We are secure through what Jesus has done on the cross. We are secure in him. We are hidden with Christ in God. And we will appear with him one day in glory. Yeah. So our temporary difficulties are just that. They are temporary. We will one day be in heaven. So this is a good reminder as to we act out of these reminders. Yeah. And we have an eternal perspective in the midst mm-hmm. of them of what's really important. That whole idea of setting your mind on things is like yeah. making a conscious decision to kind of change your trajectory of where your mind's going. Right. Instead of going down into the gutter. Yeah. To set it on things that are above. And yeah. so it's that good trajectory. And yeah, that picture of being your life being hidden with Christ and God is basically what Colossians 1 and 2 is about, just reminding us as believers that all of our past sins, everything that we've done before, it's been nailed to the cross, it's yeah. done with, it's been forgiven. We can be hidden in in Christ. Yeah. Nothing that, nothing, um, none of our blemishes are still showing. We can be hidden in Christ and hidden in, in His righteousness. Yeah. When people come to meet with me, they come to meet with me because their focus is horizontal. Their focus is on all the other people in their lives yeah. are doing all these terrible things. So they're, that's where they're thinking is straight across. When actually we need to move our minds Up. upward, yeah. vertical, to who God is and what he's done for us and the fact that we are Christians and so we're hidden with him. And out of that, then we act horizontally. Yeah. So that's the next part. Yeah. So... It says in verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So explain these terms, Thalia. Yeah, because a lot of people come to me and they don't know these terms or they've just read them and glanced over them, but actually they apply to all of us. So after we know who God is and what he's done for us, then actually the first thing is to look at ourselves, to look internally and say, what do I have to put to death? Well, sexual immorality is anything that is not honoring to God's design for sex, which is one man, one woman inside of marriage, holy sexuality, no pornography in there, no third person in there, no sexting in there, sex, uh, no adultery, no adultery, yeah. one man, one woman in marriage. So everything outside of that is sexual immorality. Adultery is sexual immorality, um, opposite Sex behavior with someone who's not your spouse, same gender sexual behavior with someone who's not your spouse, sexting, uh, strip clubs, pornography, yeah, friends with benefits, all those kinds of words. That's all sexual immorality, and we're called to put it all to death. Yeah. Impurity is just that. Passion trips people up. Yeah. They think, well, we should have passion, right? Culturally, we think we should have a drive, ambition. We should have goals. We need to have passion. Yeah. And my pre-marriage class really thinks, well, of course we have to have passion. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. We're supposed but to be attracted it, to each other. Right. But it's passion for things that honor God. Yeah. It's putting to death the passion that is evil, that's sinful, that dishonors God. Yeah. And passion also has an edge to it that um, kind of is anti-self-control. Like oh, when yeah. you think of passion... 
kind of in some of it's the way it's used, it means like something that we just have a burning desire to do. It doesn't really matter what parameters kind of are around it. Hmm. And so I think passion can be a good thing with self with proper self-control, like you right. said, when it's honoring God. Which yeah. is Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control yeah. is in there. So yeah. when we have the Holy Spirit, we are actually supposed to use the power of the Holy Spirit for self-control, for yeah. tempering ourselves. Yeah. Evil desire makes sense. Covetousness is having or showing a great desire to possess something that belongs to someone else. Yeah. And we all get caught in that. We want someone else's... Um, their possessions, their spouse, their money, their kids and the kids' uh, achievements. Yeah, their reputation, yeah. their job. Yeah. 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 We want something that somebody belongs to someone else. It's that grass is greener on the other side kind oh. of mentality. Like it must be easier for them. I want to have their life. I want to switch my life for theirs. Yeah. And anytime we put that ahead of God, that's idolatry. And that's what he says here. Yeah, it's worshiping something, thinking that something else is going to bring us happiness. Yeah. Instead of God's ways. So people come in thinking horizontally about everybody else, but the first passage is actually actually looking inside of us. What's going on with us? Yeah. And then it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. We God has patience with us on this earth. We have until our last breath to confess our sins and repent. But after that, it's done. And so we have to keep that long view in mind that we are called to put to death all of these things that dishonor him. Otherwise, the wrath of God is coming one day. Yeah. And we need to remember because oftentimes we'll kind of put our toe a little bit outside the line yeah. and, oh, we don't get punished for that or, oh, there's no consequences. And so yeah. we kind of keep sliding further and further along this line of sin, real, not realizing that we are actually operating outside of God's design. And yeah. at one point we will be called to account for all the ways, all the things that we've done on this earth. Yeah. And we can be forgiven in Christ, but there'll still be a time where all of us will be laid bare before and God will see everything. Like Hebrews 4, then if Hebrews 4 talks about that, right? That yeah. the word of God is living and active and before God will have to give an account. Yeah. So, so we need to realize mind. that that is, he sees all these things. In verse 7, Paul says, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. He's speaking to the Colossians, but it is just as much for us. Yeah. We have walked in them. We have lived in them, yeah. but now we must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now, people get tripped up with the anger one. Yeah. They think, well, anger is not wrong. True. The emotion of anger is not wrong. In Ephesians 4, it says, be angry, do not sin. I think it's Ephesians 4.26. might be Ephesians 4.29, but you might have to look that up. But it's the emotion is okay. But it's all the actions of anger that we have to put away. Because they can be very sinful. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, we have all different ranges of actions. So you can be the cold shoulder, silent treatment, sulking, pouting. You can be self-pity. angry outbursts, yeah. self-pity. Passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. That twisting of the knife. Yeah. That mean-spirited jab. yep. jabs. Of course, the rage outbursts, physical assaults, verbal assaults, assaults. You can think of everything to do with the actions to do with anger. We have to put those away. Yeah. Wrath is extreme anger. Malice is the intention or desire to do evil. Mm-hmm. Now we have that as well, because sometimes when someone has hurt us, we have this desire to get back at them. Totally. We want them to pay for what they did. Yeah. yeah. I once met a woman who had this desire to go and key other people's cars, people mm-hmm. who had offended her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had actually done that in her past. And I'm like, okay. So we have that intention to do evil. That's um, malice. Yeah. Slander. We understand that one. It's making false or damaging statements about someone. Yeah. 
So it can even be saying something that's true about somebody, but that's not necessary to be said. Like someone no. in a moment of weakness could have done something that is against God. Yeah. They may have repented or asked for forgiveness, but we still spread it around. Yeah. So anytime that we want to sully someone's reputation, I think is slander, right? Whether yeah. it's true or false. Yeah. Yeah. An obscene talk from your mouth. We forget that that's actually in the Bible. We think of that we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. We forget that actually all of our swearing and our insults and our lewd jokes and our those kinds of things yeah, sexual are. Innu sexual innuendo. Yeah. Those kind of things. Yeah. One woman I met with when we went through this, she went, oh, she said, I have quite a potty mouth. Hmm. I didn't realize this was in the Bible. Hmm. And again, right, instead of looking at others, now it starts to look at ourselves and say, what do we need to put off? Oh, I need to think about my tongue. What am I using my tongue for? What am I saying? Right. Because if we keep looking at all the others around us yeah. and make our kind of our life happiness dependent upon them, well, yeah. we can't change any of them. Their behavior might stay the same the whole rest of their lives. Yes. And so we need to realize we need to actually take control of ourselves in the midst of the situation yeah. and do what we can to change ourselves in the midst of it because we can't force anybody else to do things differently. Yeah. It always starts with a self-examination. Yeah. Hey, examine, we have to examine our own hearts and God actually wants to change us first. I remember years and years ago, my brother had all kinds of friends that my parents really did not like, and they were so frustrated and angry and irritated by. So they started praying for his friends. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is the friends never changed, hmm. but my parents changed. Hmm. They said our hearts changed, and we started having barbecues for these kids and really loving them and praying for them and walking alongside them no matter what. And they these were kids that were doing all kinds of terrible things. And that's interesting. You know, when we start the self-examination and we start looking at our own yep. um, selves, God can change our hearts and then our actions change. Yeah. Yeah. And then it says, verse nine, do not lie to one another, seeing you've put off the old self with its practices. And there are so many ways we lie to each other. We yeah. you know flattery and false affirmations and yeah, things like that. Trying to worm our way into people's affections oh, by yeah. saying all kinds of sappy things. <laughs> That yeah. we don't mean. <laughs> no, and we have to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. So as God changes our mind and we learn new things and knowledge, it changes us. Yeah. And so that shows us a good way to um, kind of act in response to a lot, a lot of these commands. It's not necessarily just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. No. That could be part of, you know, trying to do better. But it's also the way we do better is if our mind is changed by being in God's word, by being mm -hmm. at church, by um, constantly being reminded of God's priorities and our thinking gets changed. And when our thinking gets changed, our actions just automatically follow. I know. What I love about being a Christian, what I love about God is the fact that when he asks us to do something, it isn't, we aren't left on our own to do it with our own energy and strength and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's yeah. kind of that old saying. Yeah. We actually are given the Holy Spirit. And he gently convicts us and guides us into truth and reminds us of who God is and how we need to act. I love that. So when you're struggling with, oh, I'm failing again, yeah. it's like, good. Well, then run back to God and say, Lord, help me because you asked me to behave this way. And so you've got to help me because yeah. I can't do it I'm on no my one. own. I would really rather be angry. I'd rather seek revenge. I'd rather have obscene talk come out of my mouth and onto social media. And I could just say what I want to say. But actually, we're not supposed to. Yeah. Because God's wrath is coming. Yeah. So this is a good reminder that we need to continually run back to him every yeah. hour of every day if necessary. Yeah. And this is the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. It's one of his big things he was sent to do is yeah. to sanctify us, which means make us more look more like God. Yeah. And so that's what he's doing in our lives. So we need to just pray that he would continue to empower us and yeah. work in us. It's one of my best prayers. It's like, Lord, I don't want to. Yeah. So could you help me? Help because me want you've to. Said, yeah. you've said to you want to. Help want me. to. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. 
That's yeah. right. The next little verse, it's, uh, verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Reminds us that we don't really have an out clause. There's not like certain standards for Greeks and certain for Jews and certain for circumcised and uncircumcised. We all are in this standard because we are Christians. Yes. So how does that impact the people that you're mm-hmm. speaking with? Yeah, I love telling people that, do you notice when it says to put off all these things, there's no except for clause, except if you didn't have parents that trained you, except if your dad was not ab- was absent in your life, except, you know, if your mom was an alcoholic and wasn't present, except if you were raised in a foster home, except if you have a mental health diagnosis, then you're off the hook and you don't have to put off any of these things. It's like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> There There's is no, no except clause. for clause. No. No. We all are in this. You're Christians. Every single person actually is going to be on the hook for how we act. Yeah. And so people may need different helps mm-hmm. and different training depending on the yep. fact of if they've had kind of different skills taught to them as kids or different hurts that they have in their past or different mental health things. They may need help with their medication and they may need help yep. with certain coping things. So we may have different approaches, but we're still all called to this standard of trying to follow Christ in this way and to put off and put on. Yeah, because you won't be able to show up to heaven, I often say to the pearly gates, you won't be able to show up in heaven and say, but Lord, I had parents that weren't around and they were so busy with their jobs, they didn't train me. So give me a pass. Yeah. I know. That's not how it works. No. We're all accountable to God for our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. So then we need to put on. So those are the things we put off. Put mm-hmm. on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So the great thing is here, as he switches our our focus again from what we need to put off to put on, he reminds us again of who we are. Yeah. That we're God's chosen people. And that's why we should act this way. Yeah. That's why we should put these things on. Holy and beloved. We are beloved. I love that because we are often still everyday sinners, right, that do the sinful things and we choose to keep the anger and the wrath, the malice, the obscene talk. We we choose, the way, like, we sit in that sludge. But he says, no, no, come on, you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So put those off yep. and put these on. Let's do that again. It's like clothing, right? It's, this is a continual action that we're putting off some things and putting on some things. This is a process we're going to be doing our entire lives even in the care home. Yeah. So it's like, join the club. Crystal and I are doing that. Come join us. Yeah. We don't have it all together. No. We're not perfect. No, this is a continual daily thing. Yeah. And we are supposed to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. That trips people up because they're like, yeah. bearing with one another. When we look at all the others that we're angry with, <laughs> all of the things they're doing, we don't want to bear with one another. No. We want to bear with their quirks and glitches and things that irritate us. Garbage they keep on the sink and the fact they don't do their dishes and they don't take out the they don't wash the tub. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to bear with other people's things. You think of dorm mates, roommates, coworkers, neighbors. There's things that irritate you and you want to act out in anger and wrath and malice. And we just saw that. Yeah. Instead, we're supposed to bear with them and let a lot of things go. Yeah. Because a lot of things aren't sin issues. They're just preference. They're just different people, different personalities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someone's deliberately sinning. We may want to confront them, but there's a lot of bearing with. Yeah. Because we're just different. Yeah. And we have to have compassion and kindness. Even if we do have to correct, we can correct in compassion and kindness. Yeah. And if we have a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. 
Again. Yeah, must again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People sitting with me are thinking of all the others they came in to tattle about. And instead, now God's turning around saying, have you forgiven them? Because I've forgiven you, you must forgive. Yeah. And so then we talk through what is forgiveness briefly. Sometimes we have to do a second session entirely on forgiveness because that's an ouchy one. Yeah, because sometimes people f- don't really have a good feeling for what that is. They think, oh, that means yeah. I have to just sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. That means I have to let that person kind of sin on me all over again. Yeah. That means I have to not say that that thing is important or that it hurt me. Yeah. And that's not what forgiveness is. And we did actually a whole podcast about what forgiveness is yeah. and isn't about a year ago. So if you slitch, if you go down through our archives, you'll see it. Yeah. But you can also just email Thalia and she can give you some resources on that because it's important for us to forgive, yeah. but for also us to have a good understanding of what forgiveness is. Yeah. I sit frequently with women who are still hurting, of course, because their husband betrayed them in adultery or their dad betrayed their mom through adultery and they're very, very angry, rightfully so. And as a result of that, what has happened, they have said, I will never forgive. Mm -hmm. I will not let that go. What they did was so terrible to me. And then we look at scripture and we say, but if you're a Christian, right, the first verse in Uh, chapter three, if If then then you've been raised with Christ, now in this part, you have to forgive. Well, what do we do then? How do we forgive? So then we talk through the fact that forgiveness starts off with a mind choice. It is a decision to obey God and say, we must forgive. And then it's a process. And depending on how big that hurt or offense or betrayal was, it can take a long time to walk through the emotional process of forgiveness. Yep. Again, that can take a lifetime depending on how big that was. Mm -hmm. And I tell people it's like Tylenol or Advil. So you go to God and you say, okay, I'm making the emotional decision to forgive, the mind decision. So it's like taking Tylenol. It might last for a few hours. Mm -hmm. You think, oh, phew, I've forgiven. It's done. And then in a few hours, it rushes back like a sneak attack and really hurts you again, bubbles up, and you're just so angry. And you're like, I uh, don't want to forgive. I can't forgive. Well, then you go back to God. You say, I make the mind decision. I take the Tylenol. lasts a few more hours. And then it comes roaring back. And you do that over and over again. Tylenol, Advil, go back to God. (laughs) (laughs) And over time, the sting lessens. Over time, The forgiveness lasts longer, if you want to call it that. The Mm -hmm. Tylenol lasts longer. But this is a decision we do over and over again for life. This is what we are called to. Yeah. This is hard. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And we can work through that together. And I have resources. No, I have books and articles and podcasts and stuff. But we have to. Okay, says 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Mm -hmm. That's another place that people get tripped up. They're like, what? Be thankful? I came in to tattle about all these other people that are doing all these terrible things. I'm not thankful for them or the situation. I'm not thankful that I have non-Christian co-workers that do all these terrible things or that my uncle is bringing his new girlfriend. I don't want her in the family. And I I miss my aunt that he divorced. And I'm like angry about this. Yeah. What do I ever be thankful about? Yeah. It's such a good exercise to think, okay, in this situation, with this circumstance, what still, Lord, can I be thankful about? Mm-hmm. I can be thankful that you're sovereign over this situation. Yeah. I can be thankful that you love each of these people. Yes. I can be thankful that you are doing a work in them and that I can't do it. Right. <laughs> like there's a lot of things that even if we the situation doesn't change, we can be thankful for the fact that God knows and that he's hearing us. And yeah. He can just give us a new perspective to be forced to think about what you can be thankful for in the midst of it. Yeah. And we are thankful that we, in the situation, are still called to be um, 
servants of God. Like we're still, still called yeah. to be missionaries. We're still called to be Jesus's hands and feet and voice in the situation. He's given us a reason that we are in that job. We are in that neighborhood. We are in that family, that extended family. We are Christ's representative wherever we are. And that yeah. is already something to be thankful for, that we can partner with him totally. to reach others, to be yeah. kind and compassionate and bear with one another and forgive one another. That's amazing that he allows us to do that job to for him. his ambassadors, yeah. to represent him. He could do him. it all yeah. himself, but mm-hmm. he asks us to partner with him to be this way, to be a witness for him wherever we are. You are a missionary in your situation. Yeah. Like my parents do with my brother's friends. They were... Christ in, you know, Jesus' hands and feet to these kids that would come into their house. And they prayed for them and they had barbecues and they welcomed them there into their home, even though these guys never changed. Yeah. (laughs) I remember Ezra speaking a while ago, um, because it particularly impacted me in a situation that I was in. And he said, there's gospel purposes at every detour you find in your life. And at that moment, I was facing a detour. and I was like, I don't want this. I don't like this. (laughs) I don't want any gospel purposes. And he kept saying that over and over again. And I thought, okay, God. What are you trying to tell me here? <laughs> that you can use even this situation for your honor and for your glory, for my good. Um, so I need to be open to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, that's amazing. So a couple of years ago, I realized I need to memorize this passage because yeah. I am working in this passage all the time. So I did. And it dwells in me richly. And I started memorizing other scripture passages. And we're at church and we listen to the teaching and we sing the songs and it sits in us and it dwells in us richly. It comforts us. It reminds us of the truth. It corrects us. It is so good. So I would encourage you to be in a Bible study, be at church, read good things that are honoring to Christ so that it dwells in you richly. Yeah, because that cleans you up. It yeah. transforms you. It, it creates, yeah, it puts your mind in alignment with God. Yeah. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's another place we get tripped up because we actually do need to admonish. We need to correct in mm-hmm. gentleness. Galatians 6 1 says, in a spirit of gentleness. And we forget that that is our call to correct other people. Yeah. So not to like point fingers or like get all haughty about it, but no. to walk alongside them and say, hey, I noticed that you are mad at God about this situation and you're turning your back on God and you're walking away from church because of this, but that's not going to be good for you in the long run. So come back with me to church. Come pray with the elders. Come do these things. That's admonishing one another and helping people persevere in their faith. Yeah. When we see things that people are doing that is taking them away from Christ, we need to step in kindly and gently. Um, You know, as parents, when we see things on Instagram that our kids have posted or comments they've made, we do need to gently correct. Or if you're an aunt and you see your niece has posted something that's not good for her future, not good for her testimony of who Christ is in her life. Say something yeah, gently, kindly, but say something. We need to admonish and correct. Yes, it's uncomfortable. It's awful for the person receiving the admonishment, but really important. Yeah. We all need help to stay on this narrow path that God has us on. We need each other. Yeah. Just don't turn your back and sweep it under the carpet. We actually do need to be active in people's lives. Yeah. And then last one, verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's that reminder that wherever we are in life, if you're on the edge of the soccer field with all of the other parents, if you're helping at your child's school, if you are a CEO in a company, you are doing whatever in 
whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. So that word or deed means in what you speak and yeah. how you act. Yeah. That's yeah. how you represent yourself to the border guards, how you fill out your tax returns, how you shop at the grocery store. All of this in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. All your household tasks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. We can't just come home from work. And just the blah, just spew on everybody because we had a hard day or we have a headache or we have PMS or our boss was terrible. You can't just come home and just do all that. You, you can come home. I think, Crystal, you had said you can come home and talk to Bob, like your husband, yeah. and tell him respectfully the things that have happened. Yeah. Like, I don't want I don't want us reading through this passage to make us feel like we have to have this shell up and pretend mm-hmm. that everything's perfect and right. that we're fine and stuff every bad emotion and, st- and stuff no. it inside so that we don't actually acknowledge it. We want to be real. With people, we want to say when things have hurt us or when we're frustrated and explain why you had a hard day and all these things, but not use them as an excuse because I had a hard day that I can lash out at you or I can make you feel smaller or I can make you feel the weight of what I'm feeling. Like that's not loving or kind. No, that's the putting off part. Yeah. And then we can put on a compassionate heart's kindness. So compassion is when your husband comes home from work, for example, it's maybe not kind and compassionate to spew on him the second he comes in the door. It might be helpful to say, hey, let's have some food. Let's uh, relax for a little bit. And then after dinner, can I tell you about some of the things that are troubling me today? And uh, can we work through them? Yeah. That's compassionate and kind. You're still acknowledging issues that maybe you need to work on. But you're not demanding when it needs to happen selfishly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really important scripture passage for so many things in life. And I love being able to work it through with people. Yeah. Just slowly, because I love that God starts out with reminding us of who he is. Then he asks us to examine ourselves and we clean ourselves up with his help, not on our own, with his help. And we slowly learn to put on what he asks of us. And then we can go into all those difficult situations we described and be better prepared, better equipped through scripture to handle those difficult situations. Yeah. And we have our minds changed that we see an eternal perspective in the midst of them. Yeah. And see our role in the midst of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is like your 101 passage, right? Yeah, it is. And then after this, you might, like you said, someone might say, okay, I understand that, but I don't know how to do it. Yes. And that's where you'll talk maybe about strategies, mm-hmm. about different pieces you might want to bring in, different books yeah. you might want to read or articles or blogs yeah. or podcasts. But we first need to kind of get that basic. Yeah. This is the foundation for yeah, me. Foundation. It's often the basic recipe, as I call it, like 101. Just think of it that way. And from here, once we have this firmly established, then we can work on other tips and strategies and techniques and whatever else. Yeah. Okay, why don't you pray to that end, Thalia? Yeah. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you teach us through your word that it is breathed out by you, suitable for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness so that we, your servants, may be equipped to do everything you've asked us to do. Mm-hmm. Lord, we are so thankful that you haven't left us without resources, that you've given us your word, you've given us our church, you've given us a Christian community that we can go to for help. So Lord, would you increase those in us? Would you increase in us a love for your word, increase in us a desire to be in community, increase the wise people, the wise trusted Christian people around us so that we can represent you well, so that we can put off all of the things that you've asked us to put off and instead put on all of the things you've asked us to put on. And Lord, we're so thankful that you do this. Um, you help us with this. We are not on our own. We ask all these things in your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.